turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor. Today is Thursday, October the 5th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. Today in 1892, the Dalton Gang, they were notorious for their train robberies. They were practically wiped out while attempting to rob a pair of banks in Coffeyville, Kansas. Today in 1947, President Harry S. Truman delivered his first, in fact, it was the first, <clears throat> excuse me, the first televised White House address as he spoke on the world food crisis. Today in 1958, radically desegregated, racially desegregated Clinton High School in Clinton, Tennessee was nearly leveled by an early morning bombing. Today in 2011, Steve Jobs, the Apple founder and former chief executive who he invented and kind of master marketed the gadgets that transformed everyday technology from the personal computer to the iPod and then to the iPhone. We carry our life around in our phone now. How sad. But he died in Palo Alto, California. He was 56 years old. I think he died from cancer, as I recall. Brilliant guy. Today in 2021, a former Facebook employee, a data scientist, she told the Senate panel that the company knew that its platform spread misinformation and content that harmed children, but that it refused to make changes that could hurt the profits. Why is that not surprising? Not at all. In a stunning reversal on border policy, Joe Biden, President Joe Biden and his administration announced today they plan to build about 20 miles, I'm not kidding you, build about 20 miles of border wall. Joe Biden in South Texas, as a surge in illegal immigration into the U.S. continued in September. In fact, in September, more than 255,000 illegal aliens were either apprehended or reported evading capture. Most of them were reported evading capture. Those who were apprehended are released. We are in a crisis of crisis on our border. Finally, someone in the Biden administration decided, and they whispered in Joe's ear and said, you know what? We better swallow our pride and build that wall. 20 miles is the first segment of it. President Joe Biden, as you'll recall, when he took office in January of 2021, he ended all border wall construction and he was beating his chest and saying, we're a compassionate country and blah, blah, blah. Well, we are a compassionate country, but that policy alone, his reversal of that policy alone is probably the greatest threat to America right now. Not the craziness of the climate change and all of that. But since then, illegal border crossings have skyrocketed. Since Biden came in and pompously said, well, if it's Donald Trump's policy, we're not going to have it. And he eliminated it. 
but the 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 state of Texas has launched its own multi-billion dollar border security. It's known as Operation Lone Star. Democratic sanctuary cities across the country are declaring the states of emergency over these Democrat cities who so so pompously announced that they were sanctuary cities. New York and you know the list. Los Angeles and so on. Portland, Seattle, all of them. Now the Biden administration says he's going to build 20 miles of border wall in Starr County, Texas. He said he's going to use funding allocated by Congress in 2019 to do so. Well, that was under Trump. So Trump is building the wall. He's just doing it through Biden now. Very, very interesting. A lot of that's in the news. That'll be spun a lot of ways today, of course, because there's going to be some reaction from Biden's followers, I would think. I don't know. But anyway, that's happening today as we speak. Abraham Lincoln once said, most nations don't die from invasion. They They die from internal rottenness. In other words, they rot internally. It seems like to me that building this wall, and I'm glad he's doing it, building this wall is though kind of shutting the stable door after the horses have bolted from the fire. I don't know that this administration has the ability to restore anything, even if they build the wall. I am not optimistic about their abilities. They got us into this mess that we're in today. I don't think they have the ability to get us out. The New York Times this morning has a featured article. The New York Times, the paper of record, they say. Here's what they say. Imagine if you were, or imagine if, You were a foreign leader surveying the political chaos in the United States. New York Times. For the first time in history, a party has just fired its own Speaker of the House in the middle of the term. In the Senate, one of the two party leaders, who's 81 years old, has twice recently frozen in public, unable to speak. That would be Mitch McConnell. A Supreme Court justice has allowed wealthy political donors to finance a lavish lifestyle for him and his wife, And that same justice's wife urged officials to overturn the 2020 presidential election result based on lies. That would be Clarence Thomas and his wife. That would not be true. They have not lived a lavish lifestyle. They have been invited to lavish homes by friends who are very, very wealthy. It's not illegal or immoral to have wealthy friends. Our ministry has been supported by wealthy and not wealthy over the years. Some of these people believe in Clarence Thomas. They like what he does. They like him as a person, and they invite him to their homes. That's what really is happening. In regard to this unnamed person who is Clarence Thomas, in regards to his wife, yeah, she had some real concerns about the last election. Most of us did. She felt there was some things that were not right about the election, and she's not, she does not suffer silently. She was very, very, uh, very outspoken about her views. 
Does she not have a right to do that? A likely nominee, the, the New York Times continues, a likely nominee in the upcoming presidential election is facing four criminal trials, regularly speaks in apocalyptic terms about the country's future. That, of course, would be Trump. New York Times says that nominee is essentially tied in the polls with an 80-year-old president who many voters worry is too old to serve a second term. That would be Joe Biden. Too old to serve a second term? Joe Biden can't string two sentences together. He finds himself with the cameras rolling on video, stepping away from a podium, and he doesn't know how to get off the platform. He looks around with a blank look on his face. I don't mean this disrespectfully, but let's get real. They're saying that he's maybe too old. He's not too old. He's too incapable. There are 80-year-olds that are very capable. He isn't one of them. They can't even be honest about that part of it. He falls down all the time. He can't walk down the steps of the Air Force One, so they're bringing him down to the back of the plane in a shorter ramp of stairs, and he tripped and almost fell on that just the other day. And again, I I, I don't want to be disrespectful, and I'm not, I'm not, I mean, we all get there. But this whole notion of the New York Times talking about many voters worry is too old to serve a second term. That's the understatement of the year. They continue. They said, if you were an ally of the U.S., you'd have to be worried. If you were an enemy of the U.S., you'd have to be pleased. Too many watching at home and abroad, the American way no longer seems to offer a case study in effective representative democracy. Instead, it has become an example of disarray and discord, one that rewards extremism, challenges norms, threatens to divide a polarized country even further. Many factors have contributed to this turmoil, the New York Times says. Decades of stagnant living standards have caused voter frustration. Social media, along with the rise of a cable television network, that would be Fox, I presume, willing to promote falsehoods. They say all of that has inflamed discourse. The decline of institutions, including, they say, churches, labor unions, once dominant local employers, has left Americans feeling unmoored, and aging political leaders have failed to groom strong successors. Then they say this. The New York Times says, but the single largest source of the chaos in America is the Republican Party. Well, you know how they feel, at least. But I want to talk to you a little bit about how many are feeling in America. They have a point. There are problems in our country. To deny it is to be out of touch with reality. After a Rasmussen poll found an overwhelming majority of Americans feel like they're living in a KGB-like police state, they did. Just a recent poll last week. Political observers are wondering how anyone paying attention could doubt it three years into the Biden administration. Rasmussen found that 72% of Americans, 72%, more than 7 out of 10 Americans, agree with the statement. Here's the statement they agree with. Quote, America is becoming a police state. Well, it's time to pay attention. 
For a survey, Rasmussen defined a police state as, quote, a tyrannical government that engages in mass surveillance, censorship, ideological indoctrination, and targeting of political opponents. 72% of Americans is low, says Seton Motley. He's the president of an organization called Less Government. He said the remaining Americans need to pay as much attention to the government as the government is paying attention to them. Well, good morning, America. (laughs) It's time to wake up. The Rasmussen poll has served as a clarion call, a wake-up call to the Christian, conservative people of our nation, I hope. You're not the only one that wakes up every morning feeling like something isn't just right. Somebody or someone hijacked our country. What happened? American Family News, a Christian news organization, says if asked to name names, many Americans who are paying attention would likely say the U.S. Department of Justice and the FBI in particular mirror the rampant spine, the crushing of dissent, and the show trials of the former Soviet Union. I would call that gulags and guns. American Family said three years into the Biden administration, the modern-day examples are numerous. Many who are paying attention have witnessed the FBI fail to arrest numerous domestic terrorists who have attacked pro-life pregnancy centers and churches since the Dobbs abortion ruling. Those 150-plus attacks using Molotov cocktails and threatening graffiti are classified as domestic terrorism because they're meant to intimidate and frighten the victims. Many of the attackers claim they're part of the group, Jane's Revenge, which Facebook designated a terrorist organization. Yeah, even Mark Zuckerberg thought they're dangerous. They did so immediately after the Dobbs ruling. The social media site blocked Jane's access because of its self-proclaimed attacks on pregnancy centers and churches. At this point, 16 months after the Dobbs ruling, the FBI likely knows by now if that really is an organized group of violent abortion supporters or it's just a phrase being used by individuals. No one in the group has ever been arrested. Not one single person. In testimony last year before the Senate Judiciary Committee, Attorney General Merrick Garland told Republican senators he was unaware of Jane's revenge. I happened to watch that video and its claims. He said, he said, I, I'm not aware of that organization. I mean, that's enough to cool your jets. This guy's supposed to be in charge. He's never heard of this group. It's either a group or it's a bunch of individuals using that banner. But in any case, it all leads to destructive behavior for sure. Frustrated senators informed Garland there were 81 documented attacks on pro-life pregnancy centers, and 130 attacks on churches. Most of them Catholic, but not all. Some were Protestant. No domestic terrorist group has been more vocal and active in violently attacking pro-life individuals and institutions than Jane's Revenge. They have claimed responsibility for at least 18 violent attacks on pro-life centers since that leak, remember the leak from the Supreme Court? about the decision that was coming that overturned Roe v. Wade? Interestingly enough, we've never heard who that was either, have we? They probably have not been punished. I would suggest that John Roberts, the Chief Justice, he knows. He knows who it was. 
The Catholics are mad. They're really upset. They should be. In a fiery online post by the Catholic League, the group said only two pro-abortion people have been arrested for those attacks last summer. However, the Department of Justice has arrested and charged 32 nonviolent pro-life protesters. This is purely a function of politics. Bill Donahue wrote this. He's the Catholic League president. I haven't met him, but I like him. There is no other rational explanation for such a glowing disparity, he says. He says, Donahue says, on June 17, 2022, I wrote to Garland, we have witnessed a rash of vandalism against Catholic churches, firebombing, crisis pregnancy centers, he says, many of which are run by Catholics. Well, that may be, but a lot of them are run by Protestants as well, because I've that in the past I've spoken at fundraising rallies for these guys. And so I know it's both, but in any case, he's making the case for the Catholic church, which he's a part of. But he said, while there are several groups involved in these attacks, none is more dangerous than Jane's revenge. Senator Marsha Blackburn told A.G. Garland, she said, you told me earlier this, uh, earlier, earlier this year that you didn't know who Jane's revenge is. He, she said, they're all over Twitter. Garland didn't even contest that. He just sat there and looked at her. They don't care. They're very confident in their role, this administration. Assuming he's not lying, why is it that no one on his staff ever bothered to tell him about Jane's revenge? Everybody knows about that, that's following things. It's not as though he hasn't been contact, contacted about their violence. On June 10, 2022, Senator Marco Rubio wrote to Garland about radical pro-abortion groups like Jane's Revenge that have relentlessly targeted pro-life centers and groups and even churches with arson, vandalism, and violence due to their pro-life beliefs and views, their biblical worldview. On June 15, Rubio wrote again to Garland about Jane's Revenge, saying they have now doubled down on their commitment to violence, threats, and intimidation, writing that the the leash is off. I'm quoting from Rubio's letter, the second one, and is now open season on any pro-life group that refuses to close its doors. That was the goal, of course. Shut these people down. They're saving babies' lives, and we can't have that. You say, Gary, you're overstating. No, I'm not. That's where we are. On June 16th, Tom Cotton said Garland, he's senator, he said Garland should resign over the DOJ's failure to deal with Jane's revenge violence. He said houses of worship and pro-life pregnancy centers are under attack. But if you take a stand, they seem to come after you. If your stand is not on the far left, crazy, progressive, so-called progressive side and worldview. You may recall I wrote about and I talked about on this program Mark Houck. He is a prominent Catholic lay leader. He was on video pushing an abortion at an abortion clinic uh, escort. These people, he was at this abortion clinic. Again, I talked about it quite a bit on the program back when it happened. And uh, he was there with his, I think it's a 12-year-old son, a younger son, and they were standing out there and they were protesting abortion. And he, he's pretty well known, uh, especially in his area. But anyway, this guy came up and started intimidating his son right in his face. So this Mark Houck, who's a 
a family man, obviously pro-life. He's a Catholic, Catholic family. He pushed this guy because the guy was right in his face and he was really maligning the kid's dad, Mark, who was standing next to him. So Mark pushed him pretty hard, but he pushed him. Well, (laughs) thanks to the video footage, he was exonerated eventually. A federal jury acquitted Halkin of violating the FACE Act, the F-A-C-E, which is the, you know, it has to do with blocking the entrance and all that kind of thing. But anyway, that was only after an FBI SWAT team swarmed his house to arrest him. There were like 10, 12, 14 of these guys. They were like they were capturing Castro back in the day or whatever. And this, I mean, these kids were all standing there going, what's going on? They showed up with all of these police cars and guns and and machine guns and and riot gear at, at this family's house. Then we found out Halk was on trial facing 10 years in prison. They took him away. The public didn't know at the time, but the Department of Justice at that time was circulating a memo that described traditional Catholics as potential domestic terrorists. The memo was a corroboration among several FBI offices that included Portland, Oregon, Los Angeles, California, and Richmond, Virginia. It originated in the Richmond office. This is all according to the New York Post. They verified it. The memo was entitled, Interest of Racially or Ethnically Motivated Violent Extremists in Radical Traditionalist Catholic Ideology Almost Certainly Presents New Mitigation Opportunities. That's what it says at the top of the, at the, top of the memo. <laughs> what Mitigation Opportunities? Once the memo leaked to the public, FBI Director Christopher Wray said he was aghast. I'm aghast at learning about these allegations. They're always aghast when they get caught. When someone, when someone turns on the light and exposes the truth, they're always aghast. They say, oh, we're going to take steps to see that this never happens again. And then they laugh and they go right back to what they're doing. Everything that is decent, everything that is righteous, everything that is good and decent is under attack. I'm not defending the Republican Party. Sometimes I'd like to vote against some of the people in it. I'm simply trying to make a case that we need to wake up. And we need to take a look around and see what's going on. You'll remember when the public learned about this now infamous school board memo, remember that? That seemingly begged the federal government to help keep school board members safe from angry parents. Was described as domestic terrorists by the National School Boards Association. Remember that in Virginia? Governor Youngkin is the governor today because he picked up that cause. He was He's a very wealthy businessman, a, a deeply committed Christian, and a, and a Republican, a conservative. And he, he and his wife, he tells the story. He said he and his wife talked about it, they prayed about it, and he said he's worth hundreds of millions of dollars, but he said, I got I to gotta do this. He said, this isn't right. And he ran for office, and he won. He's the governor there now. But that cooperation was only uncovered by a freedom of information request. Otherwise, we would have never known what I'm talking about right now. It was kind of like the Twitter files that Musk 
released to the public here a while back. Those secretive discussions revealed backdoor corroboration between the White House, compliant social media companies. They all agreed to censor comments and punish users at the request of the Biden administration. Gary Bauer, Gary Bauer, who leads Campaign for Working Families, told American Family, he said he's pleased with these poll results. He said, I must admit, even I was surprised to see that a significant percentage of the American people are now saying that they're afraid that we're sinking into or may already be in a police state. People are concerned, not radicals, decent, ordinary people. According to this Rasmussen poll, Bauer says he is hopeful the American public finally understands the danger that's facing this nation from its own government. The enemy within. It's coming from the neo-Marxist left in the country. It's an obvious war on our Constitution, Gary Bauer says. He said they are at war with our First Amendment, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of assembly. They're at war with our Second Amendment right to protect ourselves. They're at war using big tech and an unholy alliance that censors the information you can get access to. I don't want to believe this. I don't even want to say it. I'd rather be fishing or playing golf. But we have a problem. And we must look at it not as a political problem. It isn't the fault of the Republicans or necessarily it's a result maybe of the leftists being in office. But it's a spiritual problem. The Bible says in Proverbs 29.2, When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. Now, when the Bible says when the righteous are in authority, they're talking about, they're talking, it's it's talking, the Lord is talking about the fact, the Lord knows that none of us are righteous in and of ourselves. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us are sinners. But he's talking about the, the, worldview of leadership. The people rejoice when godly things are done, when godly principles. Our nation was founded upon Judeo-Christian values, and people rejoice. There is a happiness in the country, in the culture, in the communities, when the righteous prevail in the sense of policies and laws and, and so on. Proverbs 29.6 says, In the transgression of an evil man there is a snare, but the righteous doth sing and rejoice. There was a time when there was singing and rejoicing in America, not because we were perfect, not because all the people were perfect or righteous, but because there was a biblical worldview, a Christian consensus. Francis Schaeffer was the first one who started using that term, as far as I know. Some years ago, he was talking about a Christian consensus. He said, no, everybody in America is not a Christian, but there is a Christian consensus in America. And we are, we are led by a light that, we, that is a common light, and that is the, the, the teaching and the decency of Christianity in the culture. Now that has been, that candle has been all but blown out, except for a few voices that are continuing to sound the alarm. That's where we are today. 
But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I'll see you tomorrow.